we now have some research showing that these third-party results from the upload of raw data from the direct-to-consumer companies are in fact only right 60% of the time. They're wrong 40% of the time. This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and today our guest is Heather Hampel. Heather is a cancer genetic counselor, and she's a faculty member in the Division of Human Genetics here at the James. We're going to talk to Heather today about a fairly new and rapidly growing consumer product, one that you may have tried yourself, and that's the direct-to-consumer, also known as the DTC, genetic tests. And the companies that offer these tests, and the number of them is growing, say that they can tell you if you have a genetic mutation that leads to an increased risk for a couple types of cancer and some other diseases. But do they work? Are the results accurate? And what does it mean if you get a positive indication or a negative one? There are a lot of questions, and Heather has the answers. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. Let's jump right in and Millions of people across this country are familiar with this concept. They've taken the ancestry portion of these tests where it kind of tells you where your relatives are from, if you're predominantly Irish, African, Asian, et cetera. And these tests were pretty accurate, right? Yeah, they they are fun. You know, many people give them for holiday gifts, and um, it's fun to see what your ancestry is. Um, they're very accurate in terms of um, connecting you with other biological relatives. So if they've tested another person who sort of shares 50% of your DNA with you, they would know that's a sibling. Um, if they've tested someone who shares 25% of your DNA with you, that would be someone like a second-degree relative or aunt, uncle, uh, niece, or nephew. Um but uh, they're in the, and they're fairly good at determining ancestry as well. So that's your countries of origin and ancestry. They may be off a bit. The percents may not right. be exact, <laughs> um, but they generally have the right regions of the country, um, and and that's all um, pretty reliable and um, can be entertaining and fun. But it's not without risk either. In risks in what way? So, you know, you might find out that a relative is not your (laughs) real relative. Perhaps your father is not um, who you thought it was. Or you might find a sibling or half-sibling that you didn't know about. And so I always make sure, even though that's a fun thing, that people realize going in um, that checking the little box um, to uh, kind of confirm other biological relatives has some potential consequences, and it's just good to know going in that that's a possibility. Hmm, interesting, the things you can find out. And so these companies, obviously, there, there's three, four, five of them, and they, it was a good business model, and it was growing. They wanted to keep their growth going, so they expanded into a new market. We're going to do uh, genetic testing for genetic mutation. So kind of what's the landscape? What are What are they testing for, kind of the different kinds of cancers and diseases, and and is it working? So they started um, doing what they called recreational genetics, uh, things like sticky earwax, um, okay. tongue rolling. Um, and Tom, What is tongue rolling? <laughs> whether or not you can roll your tongue okay. into a he- circle. He- Heather just did that. <laughs> I did. I demonstrated. <laughs> or not, um, which is a genetic trait um, really? that runs okay. in families. And uh, when I talk to elementary school students, they're all very disappointed if they can't roll their tongue. <laughs> but it's a natural okay. genetic trait. So if I can do it, 
uh, my parents can do it. <laughs> at, least one one of them. Them. at least one of them. Okay. <laughs> at least one of them. And so, you know, this stuff was kind of fun, um, not terribly informative. You can look in the mirror and determine whether you can roll your tongue or not. Um, But it was uh, kind of a slippery slope that began to lead into health conditions. Um, So they started then doing some things where they looked at what we call SNPs, which are single nucleotide polymorphisms, just areas of our DNA where maybe 90% of people have an A in their DNA and 10% have a T. And they have discovered through association studies that the 10% of people who have a T in that location in their DNA are 1.2 times more likely perhaps to get diabetes than someone who has the A in that location in their DNA. This is not... um, cause and effect. This is a simple association. Um, And it's not very helpful um, because you may have other risk factors for diabetes that trump these genetic risk factors like diet, exercise, family history of diabetes. So you can scare people unnecessarily. Absolutely. And um, we were afraid this would lead to improper use of the medical system. So say they told you you were at an increased risk based on these SNPs for lung cancer, um, and now you want a spiral CT of your lungs to look for lung cancer when you've never been a smoker in your life. Um, But not much came of that, although at some point the FDA did shut down one of the direct-to-consumer companies because they had really gone what they thought was too far into the realm of health prediction um, for a lab that was billing itself as a recreational genetic company. Um, So that lab was shut down by the FDA for a while, and they reopened um, recently um, with FDA approval for a small set of diseases like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and most recently breast cancer genetics. Um, But while they were shut down by the FDA, something interesting happened, and that is a um, new company opened, a third-party company, that you could upload your raw data from the first company to this new company, and they would then scan all the publicly available databases to see if any of of your genetic material suggested that you had a uh, mutation in a gene that could lead to a health problem. And this is anything, anything in your genetic material. So this, and I, I... I did that test just to get my ancestry background, and right. then you get that follow-up email that says, for X amount of money, do you want to do this, which is what you're talking about, exactly. where they send it to this third party, and again, exactly. that's a way for them to get you to spend more money to perhaps, but you'll tell us whether this is useful information. Correct, and it originally stemmed from the FDA shutdown, and it was a way for you to get results from a third company that had no, had not been shut down by the FDA. And what were the things they said that they could tell you whether you had a genetic mutation? So they look at anything. So um, they'll look at ClinVar for any mutation that's been put into public databases as causing a health. What is ClinVar? ClinVar is a um, database for all um, human mutations that have been found okay. um, associated with any disease. And any lab that finds one um, c- can submit it there. And whether or not the le- it is um, def- definitively causing the disease or possibly causing the disease or not at all, just a benign variation. So they just scan that simply with the raw data from the first company and gave people um, results that said, oh, you might have a mutation in a gene for 
for example, Lynch syndrome, the syndrome colon I cancer. do my research yeah. on that causes a very high risk for colon and, and yeah. uterine cancer. So in fact, I saw a, a patient this past year who um, is a pharmacist here at OSU who had done the ancestry testing out of curiosity um, and got one of these emails. Uh, Would you like to unveil some additional information or upload your results to this third party company? And she said, oh, sounds like fun. Let's do it. Um, and this is, you know, a healthcare provider. And she was extremely upset when she got her results back because it did, in fact, say that she had a mutation in one of the genes that causes Lynch syndrome. And in addition, it said that she had a mutation in a gene that causes a hereditary dilated cardiomyopathy or a very serious heart, heart. disease that can lead to sudden death. Ooh. So she yeah, emailed that, me right away. Scary. Yeah, very, very scary. To read that in an email. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Think of people without her healthcare background and without her connections. Within minutes, she had emailed me, and I said, wait a minute, let's step back a minute. Do you have any family history of colon cancer, uterine cancer, or heart disease? And the answer was no. And right away, red flags go off for me. If it doesn't fit the family history, sounds you should be suspicious. And uh, we now have some research showing that these third-party results from the upload of raw data from the direct-to-consumer companies are, in fact, only right 60% of the time. They're wrong 40% of the time. So what you have to do if you get one of these potential results um, from the third-party company is you really need to see a genetic counselor and get that result confirmed using clinical-grade sequencing. And so that's what she did. She came to see me in clinic, um, and we ordered genetic testing for Lynch syndrome and for the dilated cardiomyopathy. Now, interestingly, because she had no family history, insurance isn't going to cover that testing, right? Oh, no. We're only doing it based on this direct-to-consumer test she had had. So she has to pay out of pocket to find out if this is a real uh, health concern for her or not. But, of course, the ramifications were huge. If she was positive, she would need colonoscopies annually. Uh, she would be considering a hysterectomy after childbearing because of the uterine and ovarian cancer risks. And what they do about the heart disease is they implant a, a, a defibrillator, an implanted uh, cardio defibrillator. In case you have an event, it can shock you back into rhythm. So these are very significant um, uh, management issues that Life she had. Life-changing Absolutely. Issues, yeah. Um, so we drew her blood, and she was very nervous. She paid out yeah. of pocket, and uh, three weeks later, we get the results back, and in fact, she had neither. Both wow. were wrong. Which, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, she was a huge relief, but as we kind of reflected on the situation, we thought a few things. Like, one, what about the average person who got that result? Who might think that they actually really do have Lynch syndrome and actually start doing colonoscopies annually or get a hysterectomy that they don't need? Um or um, the, the converse could be true, that you don't understand it at all, and you don't yeah. get any of the follow-up and the screening. And in fact, you do, do have yeah. one of those conditions. That the 60% could have it. You're correct. So um, it, we have um, you know, just wanted to warn people to that particularly there's different levels of quality on the DTC labs. And I would say uploading your results to a third-party company and having them sort of scan databases and spit out potential mutations that you might have is probably the lowest level of quality. Only 60% accurate. But, and right. that also means that 
if they're wrong 40% of the time, they, are they going to miss 40% of people who have certain genetic yes, things I would, who now think they don't? I would absolutely not take a negative finding from them to mean, you don't to have mean it. that yeah. you don't have it. If that, you have right. a history in your family of something, you need to come see genetics. Says, this test says you don't have the Lynch syndrome, but you have seven relatives who had colon cancer, you better get checked. Correct. And the reason for that is these DTC tests go through your entire genetic material at a very shallow level. Okay. Um, we call this depth of coverage. Maybe they only have 30 reads at each spot in your DNA, whereas a commercial lab doing medical-grade sequencing will have 300 depth at each DNA base in the genes that they're looking for. And the only 30 depth can lead to spurious findings, incorrect things, because uh, it was just an artifact. If you go down 300 times, then the truth comes out. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Heather, and she's going to, I think, tell us some more of the the tests that are a little better and what you should look for when you go into and, and order and take these tests. Absolutely. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Heather Hample, and this is the James Cancer Free World podcast, and we're talking about the, uh, talking about direct-to-consumer genetic tests. And Heather, fill us in. You mentioned that there are some tests that are sort of better levels of quality that people can look for and perhaps utilize. So fill us in. Yeah, I think that the next level up above actually uploading your raw data to a third-party company would be that some of the labs now have FDA approval for a small set of conditions. But if they have FDA approval, that indicates that they've gone through some extra rigorous steps to make sure that when they report those results out, they're accurate. Higher than the 60%. Correct. So, um, for example, um, 23andMe got FDA approval this past spring to do testing for three mutations in the hereditary breast and ovarian cancer genes, BRCA1 and BRCA2. These happen to be the three mutations that are more common in Ashkenazi Jewish individuals. So these are Jewish individuals from Eastern Europe. And um, one in 40 Eastern European Jewish individual has one of these three mutations. So that test should be accurate. But our concern is that that's the only BRCA1 and 2 test they offer. And there are actually several thousand different mutations in those two genes that have been discovered to date. And this is only three out of several thousand. So for most people, this test is not the appropriate test, right? If you have a strong family history, you're going to want to look through those genes completely. Plus, there are other genes in addition to BRCA1 and BRCA2 that have been discovered that can cause breast and ovarian cancer to run in families that aren't included at all, let alone the fact that the three mutations they're doing account for a small, small, small fraction of the total number of mutations that are can be found in those two genes. So your fear is that if someone takes this and it says they're negative, they're not Eastern European Jewish descent, they're going to think, oh, I don't have BRCA, I don't have to worry, I don't have to take as many mammograms, but 
Correct. They, they could actually yeah. be walking around with a BRCA1 or a BRCA2 mutation. And this um, lab doesn't have any um, genetic counseling available. You learn all of the information on the website. And so it's all going to be about how they communicate that message. And is it communicated very clearly that they've only looked at three mutations that are common in Jewish individuals? And that if you have a strong family history, uh, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, that is not the right test for you. And you need to go see a cancer genetics professional that can order a larger panel for you that includes all of the mutations that have ever occurred right. in BRCA1 and BRCA2, along with other breast and ovarian cancer genes. Yeah, because you have to sort of read the fine print on the website to know all this and how many people read the fine print Correct. before they hit the agree button. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing is the positives, I think, can be trusted in this case okay. because they had to go through extra quality measures to get the FDA approval. Um, but that's kind of a tough way to find out that you have an 85% risk for breast cancer, or a 65 to 85% risk for breast cancer, or a 27 to 40% risk for ovarian cancer. Um, and a lot of people are going to be left searching for answers for how do I, I get managed for that? Who do I see? And so even the positives may want to follow up with a local cancer genetic counselor who can explain the result in more detail, explain the risks to their brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters, can go through what the management recommendations are for them, and can refer them to local um, specialists who can help them with all the necessary follow-up. Um, in addition to mammograms, we would add an MRI annually of the breast. Some people consider having mastectomies because the breast cancer risk is so high. And we do recommend after childbearing that women with BRCA mutations have their ovaries removed. All of these things are big discussions and major decisions um, that need to happen in a team setting. Now, is 23andMe and other companies, are they either seeking or in the midst of getting FDA approval for new and different kind of cancer mutations? We believe they are. Um, and uh, it, it's unclear if they would just do, again, founder mutations. For example, there is a mutation in one of the Lynch syndrome genes that's more common in Ashkenazi Jewish individuals. Um, or if, if they would choose a set of common mutations, it's unclear how they'll expand. The, when you say founder mutation, I'm not quite sure what that means. That's Yeah, that's what we call a mutation that's become... Um, more common in a certain ethnic group. Oh, okay. It stemmed from uh, old genetic studies where you thought of um, people who moved to an island. So exam for example, if there was an island that was settled originally by 20 people, and one of those 20 people had a BRCA2 mutation, many, many generations later, that particular mutation is going to be exceedingly common on that island. Um, for example, Iceland has one single BRCA2 mutation, 999 Del5, that Anybody in Iceland who has a BRCA mutation has, has this one, one because right. an, one of the original founders, um, a Viking oh, the or founder <laughs> yes, of the yeah, okay. right. <laughs> so that's interesting. So, it, and the panels you do, the clinical grade medical professional uh, things that you do take in everything. Correct. They're so, never going to look for yeah. just founder mutations because even people f who are Jewish um, may have a different mutation than those three. Oh, yeah. So. A negative in a Jewish individual is a little bit more informative, but it can't rule out a BRCA1 That's and 2 true. mutation. A Jewish person who gets a negative result thinks, I can't have it, I can't pass it on, but that's just three mutations Correct. out of the thousands that they, that woman could possibly that's have. That's right, and they may wow. just happen to have had a different one than one of the common ones. So even as these companies come out with new possibilities of things that they can uh, find, 
uh, you gotta you gotta be careful. Absolutely, buyer beware, and just um, read the fine print as as much as you can. And really, if you have a strong family history, I don't recommend DTC in general. I think in those cases, you're better served by seeing a genetics professional who can make sure that you're getting the right test. Um, because even if we go up one step further, there are some DTC companies that actually offer medical grade genetic testing for whole panels of cancer genes, uh, where they don't just look for founder mutations, they look at the genes in their entirety. Um, And and they'll even offer um, genetic counseling services by telephone or televideo um, for patients who have any questions or patients who test positive and want more information. And these are um, a little bit more responsible, and it is medical-grade sequencing that you're getting. I think these are nice options for people who live in a geographic area where there may not be a cancer genetic counselor right. near them. Yeah. Maybe they're several hours from their nearest cancer genetic counselor. Or if they work in a job where they can't get off Monday through Friday 9 to 5 and they need something that they can access on evenings and weekends. Um, And then for people who don't have a strong family history or perhaps they're adopted and they're just curious, could I have one of these genes that gives me an increased risk for cancer or heart disease? Um, That's that's. I think that, you know, the niche where the direct-to-consumer tests that are medical-grade sequencing can help fill. Um, But again, still, say you have a strong family history of kidney cancer, they do 30 genes. Um, the, the lab I'm speaking of that does medical-grade sequencing is called Color Genomics. They do 30 cancer genes, and this does not include most of the kidney cancer genes. They've kind of picked the most common ones. Oh, okay. So breast, ovarian, colon, uterine, melanoma. Um, and so if your family history happens to be a different cancer, that's the wrong test for you. And they're only doing a small percentage of the total number of mutations within that type of cancer? No, they actually do all of the mutations in the genes that they check. That are known. And they do a fairly good um, representative set of genes for those cancers. Now, do you think as you look ahead in the future, 5, 10, 20 years, there's going to be a point where as this field gets more sophisticated and grows that a visit to your a family doctor and a blood test is going to be able to look at thousands and thousands of genes and mutations and and you're going to get a, a picture of what's in your body and all the different cancers you might be at risk for. What, what's going to happen in the future? I think so. I think we're getting there slowly. So we've started by focusing on people who have cancer. But the natural question is, why did the have to, person have to get cancer for us to diagnose the hereditary right. susceptibility in their family? And wouldn't it be better if we could catch unaffected people before they got a cancer so that we can intervene and prevent cancers and hopefully save lives, or at least catch the cancers earlier and, again, save lives? And so there is a big focus now in this area of uh, what we call public health genomics or population genetics where we are considering the ramifications of just testing everyone. Sort of like a newborns have newborn screening. Uh, they do a heel stick in all newborns and test for a set of 20 to 30 genetic conditions that um, affect children and are actionable. You can do something about them if you have one. So the next logical question becomes, at what point would you consider testing everyone for an adult onset condition? And it's hard because we don't have a, a, a capture point for everyone in adulthood um, where we could offer such a test. We've thought about it here 
you know, you like to test people between age 18 to 25, and these tend to be the people least likely to be seeing a primary right. care physician. Um, but I, I think that we will see this. There are already some trials. Uh, Color Genomics is actually partnered with three medical systems um, to push out through their primary care network testing for what we consider the three tier one conditions. Um, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, considers hereditary breast ovarian cancer, Lynch syndrome, and familial hypercholesterolemia, or high cholesterol that runs in families, to be um, tier one conditions. And the definition of that is that they're common in the general population. We actually now think one out of every 79 individuals has one of those three conditions. And they're actionable. We can do something about it if the person has one of these conditions to keep them from getting cancer or heart disease. And there's an easy test um, that's relatively inexpensive. And the answer is yes for all three of those. Okay, so it, the future is going to include more and more of this. Absolutely. So to to kind of give people a bottom line as they're thinking about uh, ancestry tests, twenty three and Me, color genomics, what would you, what's sort of the bottom line that you would advise people as they think about getting some of these genetic tests? I think the bottom line is that if you have a strong family history of cancer or heart disease, probably DTC is not the way to go. I think in that case, you're going to want to see a local genetic counselor who can assess your family history and make sure the right test is being ordered that is medical grade, and they can connect you with the right people if you're positive and if you're negative. Um, But for a, a, a lot of people who don't have a strong family history and are just curious, there's a place for this. Um, but as I said before, this is a situation of buyer beware. Exactly, yeah. You really have to know that they are all different and um, the quality is not equal. And um, be, be, uh, uh, read the fine print. Um, and if you have any questions or concerns when you get your results back, again, you can see a local genetic counselor to get them explained to you. If anyone listening wants to contact you or another genetic counselor here at the James or or wherever they live, um, what can they do? Local individuals can contact us here at the James by calling the James line at 1-800-293-5066. And individuals outside our area can find a genetic counselor at www.findageneticcounselor.com. Findageneticcounselor.com. Heather, this is great information because literally millions of people are taking these tests and not understanding completely the results, which can have, you know, grave consequences by misunderstanding these results. So thank you very much for filling us in and making this understandable and giving people some knowledge that can really, you know, mean something to them. Thanks for having me. I hope it helps someone out there. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Soloff Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.